Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery. I'm excited to have Ryan Frankel, who's a serial entrepreneur, is currently the CEO of this app, Sales Life, a free mobile app that rewards drivers who chose not to engage in destructive driving. He had previously founded the online nutrition coaching platform, Eduplated, and he was earlier the co-founder of Verbalize It, a language trans- translation services company, which was featured on Shark Tank, which is acquired in 2016. Uh, he is also the author of uh, the Making of an Entrepreneur, Lessons from a Winding Journey Towards Entrepreneurship. Uh, Ryan started off his career with Goldman Sachs and he's done his MBA from the Wharton School uh, of Business in 2012. He's uh, also recognized by Inc. Magazine as the top 35 under 35 entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. So, you know, how did you get started into, into this world of startups and, you know, what got you uh, started to build, uh, uh, you know, this app's life. Sure. Um, so I actually started out my, my career as an investor and I worked for Goldman Sachs for a number of years. And, and I worked within a team that made private equity investments in uh, growth uh, companies around the country here in the U.S. And so I spent the first four years of my life out of undergrad um, traveling the road getting to meet with the entrepreneurs and the C-suite executives that ran these companies and, and trying to find ways to add value to their companies beyond just investment capital. Um, and I did that for long enough to know that I wanted to be on the other side of the table. I wanted to be the, the entrepreneur and the recipient of capital and not the provider anymore. And so I, I really got the entrepreneurial bug from that experience. Um, and so I came back to Philadelphia where I got my MBA at Wharton. And um, I connected with a classmate for a concept for a language translation business that would enable travelers to navigate language barriers while traveling abroad. And that was my first foray into startup life. And and as you mentioned, um, it's a company we grew for a number of years out of Techstars and out of Shark Tank before being acquired. And the concept for for This App Saves Lives, or TASL for short, it was... um, it really started out uh, around the time of the acquisition of that last company where I was out for a bike ride in New York City and a driver ran a red light while text messaging on his phone. And I was fortunate enough to be able to see the car coming to avoid a direct collision, but I ended up flipping over my handlebars, fractured my hip, fractured my elbow. I was in really bad shape for quite some time. And so that was the genesis for starting the business. And so what started out as a as personally really experiencing that pain point quickly morphed into the realization that this is a this is an issue that extends well beyond me. And it impacts um, about two million drivers here in the US alone every single year. Right. Uh, 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 no, I, 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 I thought, you know, distracted driving is, is a big problem in India and Southeast Asian countries, but uh, I think it's it's a problem all over the world. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to uh, uh, understand, since you work with Goldman Sachs and you started off your career uh, there and then you moved on into the, into the startup world, uh, do you think, uh, you know, uh, since we have a lot of listeners who, who 
young to looking into into getting either into into the corporate world or into startups uh, do you think uh, uh, one should work in a, in a big organization for a while and then get into 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 the startup world uh, just to give a signal into the market that you know they're high quality or do you think if you could go back you would start off building startups uh, in, in the first go I think it's a tough question to answer it. And just, uh, I'll give you my response as one data point. And it obviously depends on the person and their situation. I don't think you need to start out in the corporate world to be successful in growing a startup. Just like I don't think you need to experience life in a startup to be successful in the corporate world. Um, for me and the advice I always like to suggest is the best thing you can be doing as, as a working professional, especially at an early age, is to surround yourself with people far smarter than you are that are able to help you elevate your own performance. And whether that's in a startup role uh, or in a corporate environment, look for those opportunities where you are surrounded by people with a diverse breadth of experiences, expertise. Um, that way, you know, you'll learn from them and you'll add tools to your tool belt at an early age which will help inform, you know, your career moving forward. Because the one thing I can guarantee is that when you start out thinking, you know, what you're going to do with your life, I promise you it will change. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great advice. And, uh, you know, what were your learnings from Verbalize It? Because you were able to, to, to sell it off and you did sort of uh, uh, this company with your, with your MBA uh, uh, you know, classmate. But uh, any, any learnings about what it goes to building an edtech company? Uh, everything. So I, I learned a lot. Um, it was my first formal, um, you know, hyper growth startup experience. I had started another company in the past, but it was more of a hobby on the side. This was a, a venture scalable and venture funded business um, where I learned everything from, you know, the importance of co-founder relationships to how to recruit, how to, determine how to create product market fit, how to build a product, how to raise capital, uh, scaling a two-sided business of, of a business of that operational intensity, um, customer acquisition, uh, all the way out to, to how to figure out, you know, your exit opportunities. It was a, a soup to nuts experience where uh, I spent four years working around the clock um, with a lot of highs and a lot of lows along the way. Um, and so it was kind of a trial by fire experience where I just learned an incredible amount about what it's like to take a business from an idea on a piece of paper into a fully functioning company, into a company that was ultimately acquired. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it uh, must be a great learning experience and a great journey for you. But um, I'm going to talk about Tassel. Um, how, how do you how do you reward people on your on your app? How how does it work? Because uh, do you need to install the app and switch on your GPS to uh, make sure uh, you know uh, the drivers are not distracted? Can you just walk through the whole product feature on it? Yeah, it's a great question. So the way the technology works, the free mobile app. Um, so on iOS only today, it'll be on Android very soon. And the way it works is uh, you don't need to open the app each time you get behind the wheel to drive. It automatically runs in the background anytime you start moving above a, a certain rate of speed. Um, and that way um, we know you're not walking, for example, you're actually driving a car. And the unique technology that we've built is able to determine what you're doing on your phone when you're behind the wheel. 
And certain actions like using your navigation, your ways, your Apple and your Google Maps, um, listening to your favorite music or podcast, um, as well as making or receiving a hands-free phone call are, are absolutely fine. But anything else outside of that, you know, sending a text, browsing your web, uh, checking your email, checking your Facebook feed, anything that really takes your eyes off of the road, um, we view that as a distraction. And the way our technology works is we issue you rewards points for the time that you spend driving undistracted. And then drivers can then take those points, visit our rewards portal, and redeem those points for all of these incentives, which are sponsored by our community of merchant partners. Some of these are local brick and mortar stores. Some of them are national companies, and some of them are e-commerce only companies. And effectively, what we're doing is using those incentives offered by those companies to entice drivers not to drive distracted. Interesting, and um, you, know, you know, you you mentioned about about getting brand partners on board, and you know, I spent a lot of time uh, partnering with with brands for uh, for the companies that I work uh, work for here. But uh, just wanted to understand, you know, what kind of brand offerings are you getting uh, on board for these drivers, and and you know, how much if you have some bit of data to talk about how much of uh, uh, you know reward points the drivers have uh, have saved, and how much of uh, you know. Uh, Undistracted driving uh, has it has has it led to once since they started using Tassel. Yes, yeah, so collectively our user base has driven over eight million miles with Tassel, oh. and so we're already being able to associate our impact um, in terms of number of accidents and injuries prevented, and eventually we'll be able to say in in the not so distant future that uh, we've actually been able to save lives, um, which is very important for us. Um, and the types of brands that we, we've lined up to incentivize that kind of safe driving behavior run the gamut from, you know, food companies, quick service food, but also formal restaurants, um, you know, desserts and treats and, 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 and a lot of really like high end delicacy foods. Um, but we've also got retail companies. Um, we've got fitness companies. We've got services oriented companies. And really what we've done is we've aligned the interest of those companies with the interests of our drivers, such that the companies that sponsor these rewards to motivate safe driving behavior, they benefit from joining our platform in, in two primary ways. First and foremost, when our users redeem their points to visit a store for a discount, be it a 10% off coupon or a free product, um, those stores benefit from acquiring a new customer because that, that individual is certainly going to walk away with more than just whatever that free item might be. And then beyond that, um, today's consumers really do demand that the companies they support stand for something bigger than themselves. And nice. so this is a really nice opportunity for our, our, our partners to go out there and be proud of partnering with a business that is saving lives along the way. No, yeah, absolutely. I think the mission-led companies are, is getting. Uh, I mean, a lot of millionaires and Gen Zs uh, look up to uh, you know a, a mission statement from from a company. And uh, you know, I just wanted to understand you. Do you have your uh, you know what what is the customer acquisition cost and lifetime value of the of the customer, or do you think it's still in the early stage to or talk about such numbers? Um, we have that information to some extent. We've actually not paid for for marketing at all. Um, so from a from a LTV perspective, it's uh, and a customer acquisition cost. 
for, for traditional digital marketing strategies, it's it's not as easy to to put a number to that, just given our 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 rate of growth right now is predominantly organic growth. Um, but we we do have a sense for um, the value of our merchant partners in terms of the, the revenue that they're paying us, and that's something that we're going to continue to to build out as we move forward in 2021. Mailman is a email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Got it. And how, how did you quit your initial um, set of users on board since you've not paid uh, uh, any money on marketing? It's been a word of mouth marketing, but I uh, wanted to understand so for such a such a unique model, you know, uh, how are you getting your uh, first initial set of users? It started out uh, with good PR. Uh, the New York Times did a dedicated story on us. The Philadelphia Inquirer did a story on us. Um, we got out there in the community. We talked to students. We talked to um, our merchant partners, by the way, have been a very effective way for us to acquire customers. And so when it, when a new merchant comes on board as a partner, we ask them to promote their involvement with our business to their own audience. And that has really helped us acquire our users. And, the, and then from there, um, it's a product that people love to talk about. It's a product people love to share. Everyone likes earning great rewards um, for driving safely. And they also like the gamification of seeing how their safe driving um, has improved relative to themselves over time. And so a lot of the growth from there really was, was through that word of mouth um, and, and organic, uh, structural organic growth within the product itself. And, and, and do you have other competitors in this space? Uh, because it looks like a very unique business model, but are there other people also trying to solve the same problem? There are other companies out there solving um, distractions uh, with technology. Um, we think we're amongst the first on the, on the distracted driving um, uh, landscape. There are companies out there that do things like um, focus on telematics, which are whether or not you're speeding or you're hard braking. There aren't a lot of companies, even amongst the insurance companies, that are currently focused on what you're doing on your phone when you're behind the wheel. Got it. And uh, uh, you know, since you've been part of part of part of uh, other start uh, startups, and it's usually it's very important to to build build a great team. Uh, you know, what what are some of your biggest lessons when it comes to uh, hiring talent? And where do most people go wrong when they are trying to you know build a team uh, uh, around a mission or around a company? Yeah, I can't speak enough to the importance of of having good individuals involved with you. Um, you know, in my experiences, I've worked with some really high quality professionals, um, you know, fellow founders and, and, and other involved members of, of teams. And I've worked with some truly horrible individuals, um, you know, just, just people that have, you know, shocked and awed me in terms of how they developed over time. Um, and so I can't speak enough about the importance of making sure that the, the founding team and even just the individuals that you bring on board as you grow the company that there's a true cultural fit because at the end of the day, you know, when you're a small five or 10 or 20 person startup, every person represents a significant portion of your staff. And if there's not a good fit, 
um, you know, you have a, a cancer in your environment that can cause major issues at the company. And so culture matters a lot. Um, and especially at the early stage, the one thing I always say is it's better to hire individuals who, who are perhaps less experienced. Uh, maybe they're not as functionally experts in a certain area, but that are capable of learning and capable of bringing that level of energy. You, you can teach skills, you can teach experiences, you can't teach hustle, you can't teach energy and passion. And so I would much rather have someone who's, who is passionate and hungry and wants to get involved and that who needs to learn a few things than I would uh, a very, very experienced person that just doesn't bring that level of work ethic. Got it. And, uh, you know, recently one, one of the best articles I read uh, about Jeff Bezos where he doesn't think about his current quarter, but he thinks three years in ahead. Uh, but, you know, I was wondering for, for, for early st uh, stage founders who are always uh, looking to looking at a product market fair, what, what is the process for making decisions effectively? Because you're making uh, tens of thousands of you know, hundreds of decisions uh, in, a, in a day or in, in a month. Uh, what, is, what is your process when you're looking at building product and making decisions when it comes to your business? For me, it's staying close to our, to our users. Um, so I spend, you know, close to an hour a day talking to our users, understanding what they like, what they don't like, um, and then creating a, a pretty lengthy, um, you know, uh, pipeline of initiatives that we want to launch that do right by our customers. Uh, a lot of that is product oriented. You know, how can we make the product itself better? Um, some of it is marketing messaging oriented, understanding that maybe some of the things that we think are obvious on our end, we haven't been proper, properly relaying to our customers. Um, but really just ensuring that we're marrying um, the wants and the needs of our customer with the vision of our business and making sure that there is fundamental alignment there. And then, you know, I won't lie, there's always opportunities, you know, a customer may not realize something they want until they have it in their hands. And so we certainly have some, some you know, I think it's important for any entrepreneur to focus on, on their own vision and their own big picture for the company, even if, if they're not hearing it currently today from, from the customers. No, absolutely. I think uh, focusing on the customers, like the uh, the real king for the business, is, is really important. And uh, you know, when you when you when you talk of product market fit, how would you how would you define it? Uh, uh, because a lot, lot of lot of startup founders are looking uh, at and uh, you know trying to get the product market fit. And how uh, and how do you know entrepreneurs usually struggle with it? Uh, you know, since you've been part of uh, two tech companies before, uh, any any thoughts on you know? Uh, what does it really take to get the product market fit? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in first conducting the user persona analyses, understanding, you know, who, who the audience is, what they're looking for, what the value they find in your product, and then getting to a point where, you know, you say to a customer, look, how disappointed would you be if my company completely disappeared today? And if you start to get feedback that I wouldn't be all that disappointed, um, you probably don't have product market fit. If you get to a place where your product is growing virally uh, by leaps and bounds, that means you, you've nailed your target segment, you've, you've, you've nailed your market opportunity. And I would say too many founders, um, and, and I've been, you know, been subject to this as well, are so focused on pouring capital and grow, grow, grow prior to actually having the fit. And that doesn't work. That's a recipe for disaster. It's like building a house without a solid foundation. First, you get the, the foundation. 
you invest in you know growing the company to a point where you're where you're where you're enabling that product market fit. But if you're not actually if you haven't really gotten that fit today, then don't throw you know more fuel on that fire until you really have nailed that down. Correct. And, and and do you and your company focus on on, uh, on uh, net promoter score? Do you think that's an important indicator for product market fit? NPS is definitely effective. Um, it's not something that we we've done at Tassel so far. Um, that is a more um, that's a traditional metric that you can certainly look at. Um, it's something that we we do look at, but it's not the, it's not our kind of our north star as far as how we think about product market fit. All right. Uh, okay. Got it. And uh, you know, I wanted to understand uh, since uh, you know past past year has been very difficult because of, of COVID situation. How do you how do you look at uh, you know insecurity and self doubt and imposter syndrome, which usually comes up with uh, startup uh, founders? And how how would you approach uh, you know uh, such negative emotions? It's very important. I mean, you know, COVID has been a been tough on us all. Um, setting aside the impact on on various businesses, it's uh, you know, being isolated is tough. It depends on your personality. Some people um, are more social than others. Uh, I personally am someone who um, I do consider myself introverted, but I thrive off of the energy of others and not being in an office environment surrounded by my peer entrepreneurs, surrounded by other working professionals, surrounded by colleagues. Um, that has certainly taken a, a little bit of a toll on me. And I would say that, um, you know, having the Zoom calls, um, you know, having conversations is important, um, but it's not the same as, as person being in person. And so I would say, first and foremost, understand who you are, understand what you need to thrive. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the challenges with COVID is um, every entrepreneur in every entrepreneurial journey is going to have highs and they're going to have lows, and it's important to balance the highs with the lows. And a lot of times, it's easy to do that when you're surrounded in person with others who can kind of keep you keep you grounded, um, can ex- can see what you're what you're feeling. And so, COVID has certainly made that tough. And I would say it's regardless of where we are in the world, pre-COVID, post-COVID, or during COVID. Um, it's so important to have these conversations, to talk to friends, to talk to family, to talk to loved ones, to talk to colleagues, um, so that you're able to to manage the emotional elements that come with growing a business from the ground up. And you know, make no mistake, as as you as you know as well as I know, as well as everyone in the audience knows, um, growing a business is is a is a labor of love, and it's going to be filled with so many so many emotions, both positive and negative. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's it's very important to uh, to be social interactive with your with your friends and family. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the, there's another uh, uh, issue I want to talk about is uh, you know when it comes to investors and comes to uh, comes to founders looking at uh, solving the biggest of problems, uh, you have to say uh, no a lot. How how do you approach saying no uh, to to opportunities uh, and, and to to you know uh, other uh, people's opportunities. It's interesting. I, uh, I've made that mistake a lot. Um, I used to have this investor who, who always used to say to me, the dirtiest word in an entrepreneur's dictionary is the word and, because you end up doing this and this and this, and you end up spreading yourself so thin that you end up accomplishing nothing. 
And I am someone who likes to do this and this and this. And that's a recipe for burnout. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for waste. Um, and so the word no um, allows you to focus. Today, I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. And it's not that you don't care about the, the other opportunity or you don't care about the the person that wants you to do X, Y, and Z, it's, it's, it, it behooves you to say no, to focus in on, on what you need to do to grow your company, to invest in yourself, um, to hire the right people. Uh, you need to stay focused and the word no allows you to do that. And that's a lesson that took me a while uh, to learn. It's a lesson I, I learned a lot at Verbalize It. It's a lesson I continue to learn today. I won't pretend like I've nailed it. I don't think there's any entrepreneur out there that that is, you know, isn't enticed at least by some other opportunities which might lie outside of the core focus. But I do believe that that staying laser focused on what you're doing is very important. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't take a step back and, and look at the bigger picture. It doesn't mean you can't have a list of things that you would like to add to your current focus areas in the future. I think that's a very important thing to do because sometimes we're, we're so in the weeds in what we're doing that we, we forget to take a step back. But there is the, the, the word no does allow you to, to do a lot more faster by focusing on, on the key priorities of your company. Got it. And, you know, I, I, since you solved the problem of, you know, distracted driving, I do want to talk about AI and Tesla. Uh, do you think going forward, uh, you know, do you think uh, AI would help solve the problem of distracted driving, like how Tesla is trying to solve it? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, our view on, distract, uh, on distracted driving as it relates to, you know, autonomous vehicles and AI, for example, are, I certainly welcome a world in which, um, uh, autonomous vehicles drive further safety. Uh, I don't think we're there anytime soon. Um, and we're certainly not there on wide scale, um, certainly in the country of the US, also globally. And so until we reach that point where we've reached a perfect efficiency, where nobody is, is you know, driving behind the wheel, looking at their phone at the same time, uh, I don't think we're gonna be there anytime soon. Uh, I welcome the time that we do get there but I just don't think that's going to happen at scale where it's going to impact the number of, of accidents and injuries and deaths uh, anytime soon. All right. And um, uh, Ryan, I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? Uh, anything by James Clear. I like, uh, I'm also, uh, you know, and I know he's been a, a guest on your show. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like his books. Um, so probably Atomic Habits is a big one by him. Um, I actually really liked Bad Blood. Um, the Theranos story uh, was really interesting. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. I keep a list of, of books that I love, but, but James Cleary is, is certainly a favorite of mine. Absolutely. I think Automat Automat Automatic Habits is also one of my favorite books. Uh, yep. and, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, if you could go back in time when you started working on, on uh, uh, this app sales life, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? 
I think I would have found a, a fellow founder um, to grow the company with. It was a experienced, mature individual. Um, that's not something that I was able to do. And I think uh, having worked with really high quality co-founders before, it's important. It's not, a, it's not required. Many people grow a company as a sole founder, uh, but having a good founder would have been helpful. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I think what we ended up doing was we grew a little bit too quickly at the outset. We, we were initially focused on growing in one market, um, proving it out and expanding uh, across the country. And we ended up expanding across the country a bit too quickly in light of the New York Times coming out and writing about us. And all of a sudden we had users all over the country and we wanted to make sure that we were being you know, supportive of them and having the brands and the rewards to motivate them. Um, but staying focused on your singular market until you had proven it out uh, is another thing I would go back and do a little bit differently. Right. And uh, do you have any favorite online tools, example, uh, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Uh, Slack has been a lifesaver. Um, I like uh, Gmail's boomerang tool. It's helpful for, for sending emails. Um, uh, some of that, that's, that's been big for me. I'm trying to think. Uh, my, my, my CRM uh, keeps me organized. Uh, so I love HubSpot. Um, Basically, anything that allows me to manage a growing company and all the moving pieces in a very organized manner, Slack and HubSpot are, are big for me. Correct. Uh, well, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, yeah, Ryan, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about uh, This App Saves Lives? Uh, well, first and foremost, you can visit thisappsaveslives.com, uh, where there's a direct link to download the app in the iOS App Store. You can also search for, for This App Saves Lives in the Apple App Store. Um, and my direct contact information uh, is ryan.frankel at thisappsaveslives.com. You can also email our team, which is team at thisappsaveslives.com. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking our time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed uh, my, my time speaking with you. Likewise, I really appreciate you inviting me on the show and uh, pleasure to connect with you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.